Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Squared Circle podcast live and in living color. And guess what? There are no audio issues. Touch wood. This week, I can't hear an echo. Good evening, everyone. Andy Evans here, of course. Joining me, as always, is my long-suffering tag team partner. He is manager extraordinaire. He is UKPW head commentator. He is third in the commentary lineup for Pro Wrestle Dorset. He is, of course... Stefan Bennett. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, good, mate. You? Very good. Very good, because we got some breaking news. We do have breaking news. Oh, do we? We do. What? What's your breaking news? Because I don't know what your breaking news is, and you don't know what my breaking news well, is. Well, I'll let you go, because considering you brought it up, it could be the same breaking news as what it, you have. It, so It could ahead. be the same breaking news. The breaking news is, on the YouTube channel, we have just hit 500 subscribers thank you very much everybody uh for subscribing to the youtube channel and following us and commenting on our videos and liking our videos because what that means is we have now unlocked community tab so we'll be able to do much more we'll be doing polls we'll be putting asking for your opinion at the end of raw smackdown impact new japan whatever we've got the community tab thank you very much for each and every one of you 500 plus subscribers that have joined the youtube feed and also to every person who has listened to this podcast especially last week's with the audio issues that we had we were in the top 50 once again for the most recent edition of the squared circle podcast which only came out on sunday because i was debating whether or not to release it because I'm a perfectionist and I don't like things don't not going right. Uh, but top 50, again, we were actually top 45, 500 subscribers. Thank you so much. means a lot to us. Stefan, what's your breaking news? That was the breaking news was, did you notice we had hit 500 subscribers? <laughs> so, there you go. It was the same. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone for your continued support uh, as we grow. We all, we all see format changes. We'll always try and mix things up a little bit. Uh, let us know, get in touch with us and let us know what parts of TS, uh, TSC you love the most, what you would like to see changed or integrated in our shows because it is your show as well as being our show. So if you want to get in contact with us about that or anything else regarding all things pro wrestling, Andy, let them know how they can do that. It's very simple. All you need to do is WhatsApp us 24-7, 365 days, 52 weeks in the year on 077-243-12752, just like Ollie Beaters have, and we'll read that a little bit later. You can tweet us at WrestlingTSC. You can Instagram us at TSC Wrestling Podcast. You can join the Facebook page at the Squared Circle at TSC Wrestling Podcast. That's the one, not the other thing. You can subscribe to us on YouTube right here, and you can like and comment on all of our videos going back to the retro chat days to anything else it's going to be a picard special coming up this week because it is the finale of star trek picard and i'm a huge trekkie so that's coming out if you want to subscribe to the youtube channel and you're watching on facebook or twitch scan the qr code that you see on screen you can also subscribe to us on spotify and you can answer our poll of the week which is going to be going up with every archive uh and you can also subscribe to us on Apple, Pocket Casts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, any other thing you can think of. That's how you get in touch. Now, 
Coming up this week on the show, we are going to be trying a new format. We've got something a little bit different coming up, um, which I'm going to try and do live. Don't know if this is going to work, but we're going to kick it off, as we always do, with the TSC news. However, we're going to be looking at the top five stories of the week. Let's get to it. This is Newsline. Again, that is really an 80s game show. Welcome to News at 10. We are not Trevor McDonald. Oh, oh God, he's not been relevant for about 20 years. Come on, get with it. Do you not watch? You don't watch the news, do you? Not not, not these days, no. You don't need to, do you? Because all news is just plastered everywhere, isn't it? Well, it just kind of pings on your phone on Sky. But we are kicking off with some news about the WWE draft because the WWE have announced that the draft is going to be taking place on Friday, April the 28th, next week, during the live SmackDown from the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas. It will then wrap the following Monday, which is the go-home for Backlash. Now, is it called Backlash or is it called WrestleMania Backlash? Because Bad Bunny's called it WrestleMania Backlash. Yeah, they initially, I think, they dropped the WrestleMania Backlash, and then I saw it pop up again as WrestleMania Backlash. And I think on Raw, the ad for it was just back. I, I can't keep up. They keep changing names, which, as they'll, as we'll see shortly in another news uh, piece of news about WWE changing names, yeah. but it, it is, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's a strange backlash. But it's backlash. As Let, far as let's I'm just call it backlash, the pay-per-view, because we're a no-premium live event zone. Um, other news that's kind of come out about that is the fact that it's now being reported that this is the official kickoff of the Triple H era. Now, if this is the kickoff of the Triple H era, what the bloody hell have we had for the past 12 months? Because I, I, I think it's kind kick- of like the warm-up, isn't it? It's like the pre-show for the Triple H kickoff, which I would say 90% of, of that has been pretty decent, good positive uh i think it's just the flotations of is vince still going to be involved if Vince not going to be involved but the rumors what we're hearing from reliable sources within wwe is triple h is in, in control of creative and this is the official start of the triple h era and i'm excited so what you're basically saying is since SummerSlam of 2022 triple h has been in the championship trying to get to prep to uh, promotion era and he's now been promoted to the Premier League and is now running the biggest company in sports entertainment. That's what in, in a nutshell, pretty much. By the it's, like, it's like Wrexham trying to get out of the National League. It's been crap for years and now they're making it into, it's about the only football reference I know and the only football reference I'm going to make because Welcome to Wrexham is a great show on Disney+. Plus. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Triple H era officially starts on the 28th. Now, next week, we're going to be previewing the WWE draft and giving our predictions a little bit more. We tried it last week. Sound issues didn't really work. So we're going to be talking a bit more about what's going to happen. We've already seen some very interesting little comments taking place this past week. Well, last night on Monday Night Raw in respect of uh, Chad Gable trying to convince Adam Pearce why he and Otis should stay uh together we've obviously seen the street profits have kind of laid the foundation for their split it's going to be very interesting uh week on friday at the draft that is interesting because i know in recent years there's been um when there's been the draft 
tag teams have been able to be drafted together. Um, it was only, I think, if a general manager or whoever was calling the shots um, for the draft, uh, it was only they were only separated if they only decided to draft one member of the team. So uh, the fact that they're highlighting that teams are going to be split is very interesting. The only downside to it is, is it going to further disrupt the almost very plain, flat tag team division that we already have? That's my only concern. But think about it, though. They've already announced that every superstar, every commentator, every referee, including the memes, every cameraman is eligible to be drafted, which does mean that the likes of Gallus could come up, Pretty Deadly could come up, the Creed Brothers could come up from NXT. We'll talk more about that next week. And of course, we want to hear from you as well. 077-243-12752. Uh, 077-243-12752 is the WhatsApp. Let us know who you think is going to be moved from where and what's going to happen to the titles. Because that's the other interesting yeah. comment. Now, yeah. one good piece of news that's affecting the UK scene at the moment is the fact that the former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, uh, Will Ospreay, has been out of action since the New Japan Cup last month when he suffered a shoulder injury in the second round match. Now, that forced him to withdraw from the tournament. Osprey stated in a post online that he doesn't want to rush coming back and further damage the shoulder. However, Stephen Gauntley, our good friend over at One Pro Wrestling, announced on Twitter that the aerial assassin has been cleared and will be competing at the promotions All or Nothing, which takes place this week in Doncaster. Uh, he'll be facing former WWE and All Elite star Bobby Fish. Now, Osprey took made a video, took to Twitter addressing uh, the recovery. He said, I got medically cleared two days ago. It's a weird one. I've seen my physio now for about five weeks. I've got the range of motion back in my arm. The strength is there somewhat. But because I was able to complete four strength exercises, apparently I'm medically cleared. It does feel a lot better, but I still feel like there is a lot of weakness in my arm, which obviously the sensible answer is to take a little bit more time off. But over those 48 hours, I've been reminiscing and thinking about my 11-year career, and it's been incredible. He also goes on to state that he doesn't know how long he's got left in the tank. He said, I don't know if this ride is going to be a long one, if everyone understands what I mean. I kind of think I'm from Essex. I didn't think I'd reach this far in my career. So I'm just going to enjoy myself and hope for the best. I'm going to have to change things up a lot, but I'm going to compete. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. Now, that will be as much as I physically can, but I don't know how long this road is going to be. I hope you guys enjoy the ride. So it goes without saying that Will Ospreay is one of the greatest UK exports to Japan, to America, to the world of professional wrestling. But is his time up? Is he coming back too soon? Is this good news for the UK scene, for the Japanese scene or not? The only person who really knows the answer to that question is Will himself. I mean, and as they say, usually nobody knows their better that when it comes to a pro wrestler's bodies, apart from, you know, the doctors, etc. Nobody knows their bodies better than them, the wrestlers themselves. Um, if he feels that that's the case, then maybe he is at the point where he's thinking, do you know what? I've accomplished so much in my career, more than I could have maybe have ever dreamt of. And maybe he is now thinking, okay, it's time to now 
wind things down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think we'll see another big run with him, especially when it comes to Japan. Um, I, I, I think maybe, you know, he might have, he, he might consider wrestling at least for another two, three years, maybe five tops. Um, but, uh, you know, this is what happens when you, you don't get any younger. You know, we forget that he's been on the scene for a while now. And, uh, you know, with the sort of matches he's had, the, the, the spots that he's, that, that we've seen him perform sometimes, you have to think that it's taking its toll uh, on his body. So I think it's very interesting that he's openly, um, you know, gone into that territory of admitting that, you know, it, uh, where, that it could be potentially his last ride, um, you know. It, it, um, it is interesting, though, because if you were Will Ospreay, where do you go after this? Because you've hmm. got to think that as much as he said, I don't really want to go to America, I don't want to compete for WWE, he's done a, a quick cup of coffee as part of the New Japan talent agreement with All Elite. Surely you've got to be thinking you, you want to try and crack America, right? While you've still got chance. I mean, he's seen what... Uh, B, his ex, B Priestley, Blair Davenport is doing over there. He's seen what some of the UK compatriots that he would have worked yeah. with on the indie scene over here are up to now. Even to a point, what Jay White is going to be doing now is part of Bullet Club Gold. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be thinking, you know, surely you want to have a crack at the US. And bear in mind as well, it was only a few years ago at an Inside the Ropes live event with Paul Heyman where he actually called Osprey onto the stage and offered him a contract with what was then Evolve, obviously yeah. now part of WWE. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe that's not part of his aspirations. Maybe that's something he he just thought. Do you know what? You know, so many do, do America. It's just not for me. I mean, if that's the case, I wouldn't begrudge him that. Um, I could wouldn't be able to help but feel that with a lot of the friends that he has in the business that have uh, been starting to get a lot more eyes on them in the US, especially uh, AEW, a few maybe in uh, in WWE, but more so I think all elite uh, wrestling is probably more so there, um, that maybe there isn't a, a slight temptation to say, well, what if, you know, I was to go there and have a run uh, there? Um, again, it would all depend on, um, I think, Tony Khan for him might be an ideal boss uh, for him in terms of uh, his regime um, bookings uh, schedule wise uh, and that I think Tony Khan to an extent might might be more flexible than WWE most certainly would be. We know how strict the WWE schedules are uh, compared to All Elite. Um, so I, I think if he was to consider making a, a, a crack in the uh, uh, in, in America a little bit more full-time, then AEW would probably be the best mm. option for him. Um, but he may genuinely not feel that that's what he wants to do. Uh, I mean, if he's going to wind things down, um, especially with Japan, etc., the only place I can see him is, uh, you know, spending the last few years of his career, a couple of years of his career, just doing the indies in, in, uh, in the UK. Maybe do progress. Um, uh, that... One PW, you know... Not taking anything away from the likes of One PW, because you know we, you know, I've I've interviewed Stephen Courtney on this show just a few months ago, and it, it's brilliant to see them back and what they're doing. Progress have done some good stuff. So's ICW. So's uh, Preston Championship Wrestling up up in the Manchester way. But 
to finish your career on the UK scene when you've been the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion mm-hmm. and, and headlining the Tokyo Dome at, at Wrestle Kingdom in front of, what, 20,000 fans going to 1,500, 2,000 in some of these venues? Mm-hmm. You know, that that must be a bit of a bitter pill to swallow. Now, again, you're right. It comes down to what that performer wants to do. And we can't speak mm-hmm. for Will Ospreay. You know, I've yeah. worked with Will before. Um, and, uh, you know, I worked with Will in UPW for a one shot and consummate professional came in, had an altercation with a fan. I'll never forget that. I had to get the fan thrown out, but you know, consummate consummate professional but he's bigger than the uk i think there's certain performers and you look at people um like zach saber jr you even look at people like nick aldis you look at um will osprey even to a degree um some of the guys that have gone over to nxt recently uh or part of nxt uk that are now bigger than the independent scene and yes it's a great calling for them to come back and great for uk promoters because they're getting ex wwe talent or ex new japan talent or ex aew or ex impact but for those guys surely you want to finish on the grandest stage of them all i would imagine yeah i think that's the, that that's the difference though is is personal choice i mean there's a big difference between wanting to go and scale it down and be in front of your your home um people as opposed to being forced to because you can't get signed yeah, uh, anywhere yeah. at, the, at the big time anymore. And, I, you know, and I think be, what I would personally love for him to do at some point, um, you know, is for him to do like a, a sponsored tour around the UK uh, doing seminars because there are so many young up-and-coming talents. I mean, there's some that I've worked with in UKPW and EWE and ones that I see at other um, promotions in the UK that... Uh, you see the styles that they perform. That you know, you can see that Will Osprey is definitely um, someone that they look up to, that they aspire to be very much like. Their mm. styles are very much within uh, what he brings, and I think it would be wonderful to see a guy like Will give give something back to um, you know his home country to the the, the next generations that are coming up, uh, and do step seminars and teach them um, because he's got. You know what he's done is absolutely incredible um you know and i think that that would just be invaluable for him to uh uh to, to go uh to come home and be able to do that and offer that uh, a little bit especially if he wanted to take a little bit of a time out to maybe recuperate as well well like sam's put in the chat room on youtube and comment is up on screen and you can have your comment up on screen as well if you join us live on twitch facebook or on youtube i just wish osprey could have one mania match and I kind of go with that. I think, you know, you're looking at the likes of Seth Rollins. We know that feud had been building for years. For me, though, and this is going to get on to point number three, you know, news point three in just a second, but All Elite Wrestling headlining Wembley Stadium for the first time Mm -hmm. since 1992 with SummerSlam. If you're a UK worker and you're connected with that company or with a North American, you want to be on that card. And I, I think oh. that the crowd would go absolutely mental if the aerial assassin Will Ospreay, considering that the All Elite fans are the more uh, in, more hardcore wrestling fans than, let's say, the mm. WWE, uh, they're the ones who do watch New Japan. They're the ones who do watch the UK Indies. They're the ones who do watch the international Indies. So if you're Will, you want to be on that All Elite all-in card, don't you, I think? Yeah, Personally. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, going on to, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Josh who's watching um, as well. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Josh. Are you doing well, buddy? What, Josh from um, Medley, is it? No. Um, yeah, she was going to say, I'll pick three. Uh, AEW All In, um, Jericho and CM Punk, as uh, we know. There's a lot of rumours going about what the main event of that show could actually potentially be. We're seeing Omega versus Punk being touted. Uh, people saying, you know, that that would be um, brilliant. But um, Jericho, Chris Jericho has commented that it will be a cultural event. Um, now, as we know, Tony Khan has recently revealed that uh, on August 27th, uh, All Elite Wrestling will be hosting the All In pay-per-view from Wembley Stadium in London, a venue that could hold up to 90,000 fans uh for the four-year-old promotion uh the ocho spoke about this mon monumental gamble during a recent interview with tim and eli on battleground and he said from a business standpoint it was a great move and a big move for tony khan to book wembley there have been a couple of times over the years first time in toronto should have booked a stadium first time in los angeles should have booked a stadium this time our first time in the uk should have booked a stadium and we do and of course people are like you're crazy it's too big Jericho also says, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that there were other venues in London that AEW definitely could have gone to first, but believes that having it at Wembley creates a larger impact, even calling a cultural event. We could have done the O2, he says, which is a great arena. We could have done Craven Cottage, which is the venue Tony owns. Well, his father owns it, but anyway. Uh, I believe with Fulham, going to Wembley is like, hold my beer, check this shit out. It's going to be a massive and it has the potential to sell even more than what the pundits are expected because I think it's going to be a cultural event. So there's no guarantees that obviously that they're going to fill 90,000. Um, I mean, a lot of people are going to want to be there because it's monumental. It is the very first ever AEW event and it's one of the big pay-per-views and it's going to be at Wembley Stadium. I will be honest with you. I mean, we didn't really touch on this much last week because mm. of the sound problems. It was a bit of a scaled back show. So it's a good opportunity to talk about it now. Hence why I've put it in. Um, yeah. I'm, I am surprised they've gone to Wembley Stadium. Yeah. I really am because I would have gone, okay, we don't know what the market's going to be like over here in the UK. Yes, we know the ratings on ITV are, are brilliant and it's one of the top rated shows on ITV and ITVX. But we don't know what that live event crowd is going to be. Why not play it safe? Why not go to Craven Cottage? It's not going to cost us anything. If we lose the if we lose on the outlay, then what have we lost, really, in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. However, what two fingers up to Vince McMahon, Triple H, Endeavor, and the WWE? Because they had the opportunity last year, with all intents and purposes, to book Wembley Stadium for Clash at the Castle. Okay, yeah. they easily could have done it at a SummerSlam, and mm -hmm. that would have been the 30 year anniversary. We talked about it last year. Lee and I did a show on it, it's in the archives on both the podcast and on YouTube. But they didn't, they didn't do it for whatever reason, whether or not they didn't think they could sell it out, whether or not they didn't think they could make money on it. They didn't do it. Tony Khan's come in and gone two fingers up to WWE, we're gonna have a go now. The pre sale, which is being reported by Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, at the moment is that over 50,000, I say that again, 50,000 people have signed up for the all-in pre-sale. Now, let's do some math. 50,000 people. If each one of those 50,000 bring four people with them, mm -hmm. that is a 200,000 attendance gate. It's also been announced. Uh, yeah. 
that tickets, because there's been a, a leaked email from Ticketmaster yeah. on Twitter, are ranging from £30 to £500. I think as well, the advantage AEW have with this is, it's, it, as I said, it's the very first AEW event. It's historical for the promotion. It's historical in the world of wrestling. WWE, obviously, multiple times a year, they bring Raw SmackDown house shows over to the UK. Uh, as we said, Clash at the Castle last year. I think it gives AEW an edge and the ability to potentially sell out Wembley Stadium because they've never held a show in the UK before. So it has that extra incentive for people to go, I want to be a part of history. I want to look back many years down the line and go, I was there when AEW debuted in the UK. I totally agree with you. And and I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. But I also think, just going back to the previous point, that WWE have really dropped the ball because what better way to bring the Laps fan back into mm-hmm. the product than by doing SummerSlam at Wembley mm-hmm. Stadium? 30-year anniversary. You hype it as such. It's the SummerSlam you thought you would never see. You know, they said that in 1992. That was the tagline. You redo the tagline again. So the fact that they didn't do it either goes to me, A, they didn't have confidence in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, the booking venue was, the booking costs were too high. Because bear in mind, they're on pay-per-view. It's on the network. It's not going to cost them as much as what it would do elsewhere. I think there's more to come with this. And I'm going to tell you why. This isn't going to be pay-per-view, people. This will not be a UK pay-per-view. I'm predicting this will be live on ITV. Possibly. Possibly. Um, Obviously, I'm still hoping that will be there in attendance, but we'll see what happens there. But I think what would be very interesting to see where in the UK do WWE put on a pay-per-view next year? Because obviously Money in the Bank was already announced at the O2 way before All In was uh, by AEW was announced at Wembley. Do WWE look at that and go, okay, we've, we showed our hand a bit early. We put the O2 for Money in the Bank. You've gone massively, uh, you know, in the summer, towards the end of the summer, you've gone with All In, one of your big pay-per-views, and you're putting it in Wembley Stadium. And if that sells out and do does phenomenal numbers, then WWE, I think, will then potentially up their UK game next year and go, right, okay, where do we put this? Let's put maybe SummerSlam into a 2024 in the UK. But where do you put it, though? Where that's, do you that, that is because that's the interesting thing. You can't go now. To WWE, you can't go to Wembley Stadium to do that because all they're going to do is turn around and say, "All right, the 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 Spurs Stadium, okay, yeah." Crap football team, sorry Spurs fans, crap football team, but probably the best stadium, the the most brilliant, uh, world class stadium in the world right now because it's so new and modern and it has so many features to it. Hence, one of the reasons why I think the NFL have that partnership with with uh, uh, Daniel Levy, who owns. Tottenham Stadium yeah. um, to do that. I do could see WWE saying, all right, we'll do Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Just out of interest, I mean, where do, do you know roughly where the UFC normally like to go? Uh, in a, the UK, they do the O2 mostly. So it's the O2 mostly. It's the O2 mostly. That by the time 2024 comes around, mm-hmm. Endeavour are going to be fully gripped in WWE. 
right? It, yeah. It's meant to be going on by the end of the year, right? That's when the sales yeah. are meant to be coming in. Now they're going to need to book venues and start promoting venues in advance. And I'm assuming that they've already, we know they've already got WrestleMania 40 in Pittsburgh, more on that coming up later. Um, we know that potentially SummerSlam is already booked for, for next year or their pay-per-view schedule was released. But you've got to think that the, the extra income from Endeavor as part of this is going to ramp up and they're going to try and use connections. But I just think it's really, it's really clever marketing by AEW to yeah. take a punt, which really is what Vince did 30, 40 years ago when he took over the WWE um, and go for it. And that's going to be two fingers up to WWE without the likes of Cody Rhodes with Jericho, the BCC with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, big show whatever mjf wheeler utah all those type of things selling out wembley stadium this little four-year-old never meant to be a success indie promotion made by indie starlets a former wwe superstar who's obviously gone back back home to the fold yeah. it is a cinderella story isn't it it really is a cinderella it is story. It is. I mean, this is the thing. You know, as I said, I I have I, I sometimes get criticised for being a WWE mark or uh, a AEW hater, and I don't hate AEW at all. I have a love hate relationship with AEW. I love a watching AEW, but at the same time, I get very frustrated with AEW because of uh, sometimes this is. And I've said this all along. I don't think AEW know what rest type of wrestling promotion they want to be. I think it's just. There's just an accumulation of so many, um, such an overflow of talent uh, on their rosters. The mixture of um, some of the storylines are good. Some of them are absolutely shockingly awful. Uh, and some people who need a lot of TV time don't get TV time. So is, I still feel that AEW is still trying to figure out who they are. Hmm. Um, really, um, but it's like it's like any TV. It helps story. that they've got Ring of Honor under the same ownership because you can kind of send some of that over there. I just hope that Ring of Honor doesn't over time lose uh, its uh, its identity under Tony Khan because Ring of Honor was very much its own thing. I used to watch look at Ring of Honor as like a premium indie promotion. It was like one of the, the absolute top of the table premium indie promotions in the world, um, you know, uh, that that's how I always saw Ring of Honor. It wasn't a it wasn't a mega company like WWE uh, is or what AEW is at the moment. Uh, it was very much you know the the, the top leagues of of indie shows in the world, um, and I and I kind of like that rawness about Ring of Honor. That's one of the things I always love about Ring of Honor. I hope it doesn't change too much under Tony Khan. I think we're going to have to see where time goes on that, but obviously yeah. will Ring of Honor play a part in All In? Uh, that's left to be decided. Will CM Punk play a part in uh, mm. All In? Because Fightful Select notes that the working plan is for Punk to return on the 21st of June edition of Dynamite at the Wind Trust Arena from his hometown of Chicago, Illinois. Now, this is the go-home episode for all japan uh, for all elite all japan all elite and new japan forbidden door 2 which takes place that sunday from the scotia bank arena in T toronto ontario now punk missed the first forbidden door uh due to a foot injury but there's no word yet on if he will wrestle at forbidden door 2 
There's even been talk about possibly announcing Punk's return well ahead of time, possibly at the Warner Brothers Discovery Upfront on May 17 from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Punk's willingness to return to AEW includes an item on Punk possibly working with the Elite. Now, while there's no word on contact between the two sides, Punk is hoping to work with the Bucks and Kenny Omega, but last word, the Elite was said to be not keen on that scenario. A&W sources indicated that Punk had been trying to make a meeting between everyone for quite a while, but there's no word on if progress was made. He also was trying to get a meeting with the Oco Chris Jericho, because Jericho has been very public about his views and his opinions on CM Punk. Um, there's also, again, been more traction about this new Saturday night spin-off show that they're doing at 6.05 on TBS, um, which is possibly going to be a brand split with CM Punk headlining. But my question to you, because we've got another article mm. on this in a minute, does anybody actually give a damn? I Some honestly do. can't say I miss CM Punk. In the Some world. do. I don't miss him. I mean, I think that goes down to we were used to not seeing him wrestle for so long after he left WWE, before he debuted in AEW. I think we kind of got used to him not being about. Um, see, it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating one because, you know, Punk. Punk's always been really good. He always has. Obviously, his latest, the, the latest run he had in AEW, you can tell that he's missed a few steps because he's getting older. He'd been away from the ring for so long, etc. What I, I, I was always a CM Punk fan. Let's put that out there. I was always a CM Punk fan. I like CM Punk, the wrestler, the guy that goes to the ring with the idea of I want to put on the best performance I can possible and make my opponent look really good as well but it seems to be this aura around him that he can't play nice backstage that he's too arrogant that he's too opinionated that it's he thinks he's like a wrestling god and everyone else is beneath him um that he can't play nice he can't integrate with the back that with, with everyone out the back apart from those who he clicks with i.e ftr for example um it's a shame because a guy like CM Punk could have a lot to offer the business in the locker room as much as he could in the ring. And it's a shame that it just seems to be wherever he goes, it is, it, it, there seems to be one. I like him, and here is going to be a football uh, reference for you. Cristiano Ronaldo, right? As a Manchester United supporter, always loved Cristiano Ronaldo, always has. But... <laughs> Just before he went back to Manchester United, and even now he's in Saudi Arabia playing football, he's causing trouble. He's disruptive. Um, he's just got another manager sacked uh, over in Saudi Arabia because he's he, he went off on a huff and was complaining. And he he and because people idolise him and look up to him, they he's very influential and that's what no promotion needs in their locker room. So if Punk is going to come back, whether people want him to or not. I don't really care either way. As long as he's willing to be able to play uh, a team game, be a team player with everyone, and go and do what's best for the company and for himself and everyone else around him, 
I've got no problem with it. But I just don't know if he can. I was just about to say, I think I, I think Punk has answered that question in his behaviour since coming back to All Elite because he yeah. did what the in, in training. When I'm, I'm a trainer, people know I'm a trainer, right? In in training, we have in the audience what's called a terrorist. Now, I don't mean a terrorist who will go and destroy the training session, but what they do is they put a negative connotation to anything that might be happening. So they mm -hmm. are very disruptive, like you, great word. That you, they're a virus. That's in the training they're environment, a they're a virus, right? You start off really nice, then they get bored, then they get aggro, and then they start doing a terrorist. And we have to walk around and tap them on the shoulder and basically tell them to shut the hell up. Yeah. And that's what CM Punk has done. But what CM Punk has also done, yes, if you want to look at it in one way, he's put eyes on AEW because people are mm -hmm. still now talking about the all-out press conference and the backstage incident. But it's not good eyes because no. it's making the company look immature. It's made Tony Khan look as a bad manager, basically. No. There needs to be a decision now made. Do we bring him back? If we bring him back, we put all the ducks on the row. We put a line under it. We move on. You can't have the elite refusing to work with CM Punk. You can't have Jericho coming out, making comments about how Punk is a virus and the cancer and can't be working in the organization. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to do a fine line. These are veterans. These are EVPs. These are meant to be your head honchos of the organization, yeah. right? And, and they're not acting like senior management. They are acting yeah. like the boys in a boys club. If the elite, if, if the elite who are, are as you just rightly pointed out, are EVPs, um, uh, executive vice, vice presidents, uh, if they are willing to work with Punk again, then I said I, I reckon that says a hell of a lot more about the sort of people that they are compared to what Punk is. I know there are sort of snippets coming here out here, here and there that Punk is willing to work with Jericho and the elite again. Um, but is he saying? I, I don't know. Is he yeah, that, that's what thing? I'm wondering. Is is he saying? I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that if Punk gets another chance in AEW, and one one moment he he slips up again, that he's gone. I have no doubt about that. You know, but Eric uh, Bischoff said no it on 83 that. weeks on his podcast with Conrad Thompson. Just exactly. um, it was strictly business. Actually, pay him off, get rid of him, move mm -hmm. on. And start again. He's he's giving too much negativity onto your product. And let's put it this way. The question, I'm going to leave it on this point, and we're going to move on to topic number four in a second. We've yeah. just talked about All In. We've just talked about a pre-sale of 50,000 potential entry interest. 50,000 pre-registers. Not all of them are going to buy. That's obvious, right? Mm -hmm. It's 50,000 without CM Punk being on TV week in and week out since September, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not CM Punk. Punk hasn't done that. That's not Punk's drawing power. No. He's not there. I think the only thing that what I think CM Punk does bring is he's a fantastic storyteller when it comes to promos and building a story to hype up a pay-per-view match. I mean, look at the stuff he did with MJF. That was brilliant. But only but, if he's got the right person to work, to work Oh, with. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a with doubt. With MJF, you could be the worst promo 
player in the mm -hmm. world. You know, you could be me. You could come out and absolutely suck at giving a promo. But MJF will make you look like gold. Yeah? yeah. Because he can do that. He's made he has made, let's put it in context, he's made Jack Perry look like a threat to the world heavyweight title. Yeah. I, I suppose one thing you could do in terms of booking, this is this is just me playing fantasy booking here. If you was gonna book Punk to come back as a babyface, I would have him come in and have uh the Blackpool Combat Club beat him down. And once this Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite thing, which we know is going to happen, uh, is done and dusted. I would then probably book Punk and Daniel Bryan um, yeah. in in like a, a thing like that, and that will probably be the last time we'll ever see them two tangle in, in something like that. But I do think there's a lot of stuff there which they could use to build a very good story about that uh, with, with that. But we'll see what happens. You the know. only other thing you've got to think about is: Does he go back to all elite wrestling if he does? Does he go to Ring of Honor? Do we get a Summer of Punk? Does he go on the 605 TBS program on Saturday night, which they're they're yeah. they're announcing soon? See, that's a very good point, actually. Put him in, in Ring of Ring of Honor, keeps him away from the people he fell out with a little bit, and we know Ring of Honor was really his where he you know ate his grass where he was really bred. The only uh, problem with that where, where he become one of the most wanted indie stars there was at the time. The only problem with that was you'd have to move Colt Cabana back to All Elite. That's the that's the other problem. So when was this the is the thing. Is it worse the hassle? Only Tony Khan and, and those uh, and the EVPs will know. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if they say, yeah, okay, we'll give them another shot, they've got to have their reasons. Yeah, and they must have something good lined up. If not, yeah. then get rid of him. But yeah. we'll see what happens. So well, let, let's move on to point four. This is the number four of the top five. WWE have announced a name change for a pay-per-view that's taking place in Saudi Arabia. Now, originally, the next event, which is taking place in, I don't know when it is, May or June, was going to be called the King and Queen of the Ring. And it was going to be crowning, obviously, a King of the Ring and the Queen of the Ring. It's now been changed to Night of Champions. It's now, taking place, sorry to interject, on Saturday, May 27th. Thank you very much. So it You're remains real. to be seen if all championships are going to be defended on that night, because obviously the big question, and Sam Mellows put this in a chat with you and me offline, it's going to be a very short tag team title defense, is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, because Zayn hasn't appeared on any one of these Saudi Arabian shows because of religious connotations. So I think it's fair to say the tag title is not going to be defended. But yeah, Knight of Champions replacing the King and Queen of the Ring. I, when when the news was coming out that we was going to get a King and Queen of the Ring, I was excited. I was like, yes, finally we're getting King of the Ring back as a pay-per-view. Because I always had a bit of a love for the King of the Ring pay-per-view. Uh, I used to love it back, uh, uh, back in the uh, 90s and the 2000s. I used to enjoy it. And then got very, very frustrated when it was just a thing they did on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Um, it just had no charm to it. It seemed pointless. Um, so I was really, you know, excited about that and I thought, okay, hopefully, all right, not overly keen with it being in Saudi Arabia. Then again, I'm not a fan of them doing the shows over there anyway, but we don't make those decisions as long as they put on a good show and I'm entertained for the hours that I watch it. So be it. But, um, I, I just, I just don't know. 
I, I just don't know if saying that it's because potentially of the draft is the real reason. Um, because why would it matter? Why, why would it really matter? You get drafted to Raw from SmackDown. You're king or queen of the ring. You, you get, you know, it's it's a moniker. It's nothing, you know, that's going to really have a, a major effect on where, which brand you're going to be performing on. That, that makes no sense to me at all. Um, but a night of champions, if they're going to put every championship on the line, then makes kind of sense. Um, well, they can't. You can't, they, they, can't put, they, can't, they can't put the tag titles on the line. Well, they can't put the tag titles on the line. That's the other downside, unless they drop the titles by them. Which is going to because I don't think gonna... Owens and Zayn are going to have the titles for very long anyway. I think that's a given. Well, we know it's not uh, going to take place. We, we, but we know the tag title switch isn't going to take place at Backlash because that's going to be the eight person. Yeah, uh, you know the, the multi-man match yeah. with the bloodline, the Judgment Day, and mm-hmm. but tag titles change have changed numerous times on Raw or SmackDown anyway. So um, it'll be I, interesting. I, I really don't want them to drop the straps this quick. I think it's been no, I don't. It, you know, they 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 got the biggest reaction at WrestleMania, so keep let them have the run with it. Unless they're going to trade them up for Sami Zayn to become more of a main event player, yeah. as well as Owens, then that I think is a good enough trade. Well, we're going to have to see what happens on the draft we'll from April the 28th on SmackDown. One person who's also going to be interested in the draft is Johnny Gargano, because a new report yes. from Fightful Select notes that Gargano, 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 can't say his name, re-aggravated, Johnny Wrestling, re-aggravated the shoulder injury that had him sidelined for much of January. After only working three matches his first few weeks back, including the return at the Royal Rumble, he ended up wrestling exactly a dozen matches after March the 4th, leading to NXT Stand and Deliver. Gagano's shoulder injury reportedly got worse after his return at the Rumble, and by the time Stand and Deliver came, he was severely hampered and using just one arm. The hope from WWE officials is that Gargano can repair the injury with physical therapy instead of of surgery. There was also speculation that with Chairman Vince McMahon returning to the fold, that led to Gargano's absence, but that's not the case. McMahon was actually directly involved with communicating to Gargano in late 21 that he wanted Gargano to stay with the company. As of this time until April the 28th on SmackDown, Gargano remains a member of the raw roster. So best wishes to Johnny Gargano. He's not having it easy, is he, since he's come back? He's not. He's such a talent as well. He really, really is. I mean, I know some people are split over whether or not um, they think it would be him going backwards uh, when Tommaso Ciampa returns a DIY tag team reunion. I'd st- I'd be all for it, to be honest. Um, I think there are that they would be a really great addition to a tag team division. But the tag team division needs you know, needs a, a, a proper injection of of uh, of proper teams again. Uh, because by the sound of it, two of them that we know of are most likely getting split very soon, which are Street Profits and Alpha Academy. Um, so, you know, obviously we got... I, I look at NXT, pretty deadly, definitely. Gallus, another another team. Uh, I quite like Stax and Tony D'Angelo, to be fair. I, the more I see of them too, I, I really enjoy them. Uh, you've got Chase. There are tag teams there, but it's on the main roster for some reason. I, I don't know where or why there's been this big issue, considering how blessed and golden the tag team divisions was throughout the 80s, the 90s, and the Attitude Era, uh, and even through to the mid-2000s. 
uh, in WWE, why it has got to the state that it's that it's found itself in recent years, I will never understand. But you well, know, look, there's the the only blessing that we've got is the fact that we know that Hunter is a fan of old school. So mm. hope I keep going back to the draft. Hopefully, we'll see more tag teams coming up. Who knows? But that is the top five news stories for this week. Yeah. We're going to bring you some more news in the ad break. Hopefully, it's one of the new things we're trying. Um, in fact, one of the new things that we're trying now is going to be a unique segment. Um, God, I hope this works. Let's find out. We'll be back with story time after this. No question about it. Too cold, Scorpio. You are one hell of a competitor, and I will not be a champion that hides. I stand here before God and my Father in heaven tonight, as I said I would be the world heavyweight champion. In the tradition of Lou Fez, in the tradition of Jack Briscoe of the Briscoe Brothers, of Dory Funk Jr., of Terry Funk, the man who will never die, to the real nature boy, Buddy Rogers, upstairs tonight. From the Harley races, to the Barry Windhams, to the Ric Flairs, I accept this heavyweight title. Now, wait a second, wait a second. Of Kerry Von Erich, of the fat man himself, Dusty Rhodes. This is it tonight, Dad. God, that's beautiful. And Rick Steamboat, and they can all kiss my ass. Because I'm not the man who accepts a torch to be handed down to me from an organization that died seven years ago. The franchise Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. Tonight, before God and my father as a witness, I declare myself the franchise as the new ECW heavyweight champion of the world. We have set out to change the face of professional wrestling. So tonight, let the new era begin. The era of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise, the era of the ECW. Shane Douglas's, and they can all kiss my ass promo from the 27th of August, 1994, as part of the NWA title tournament. Well, Hopefully that worked. I don't know. That was, of course, TSC Storytime. Each week or most weeks, we're either going to bring you an excerpt from uh, a wrestling autobiography. It could be a chapter. It could be a classic promo. One of us will do it in uh, style, but what we won't try and do... I've got a great one. I've got a brilliant one. You've got a great one. I'm looking forward to that. What we won't do Mm -hmm. is try and impersonate the workers because there is no no way I could do a a Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes impression. I thought about it, baby. Oh, God. All right. Okay. Right. We are back with Talking Point uh, this week. And finally, Stefan has uh, stopped crying long enough to bring his Talking Point (laughs) to the airwaves. It's been a couple of months since been wanting to get this one out there. Um, We're going to, the discussion we're going to have is are wrestling championships, especially in WWE, are there too many championships? Uh, to the point where they don't feel as prestigious as they once did, or are they just seen now more as just props? So, uh, obviously, WWE, as we know, uh, since the 
original brand split where WWE for the first time drafted in a second top championship, which was the big gold belt to rival alongside the um, the WWE uh, Undisputed Championship, which was on SmackDown. The big gold was drafted by Eric Bischoff and unveiled to Triple H and given to Triple H um, in, on, on Raw in the year um, 2002. Um, so we've gone from... We had WWE Championship to the oh god awful Universal Championship. Um, Mick Foley's face said it all when that was un- announced um, with that name. Uh, we've got the Intercontinental Championship. We've got the United States Championship. Thank God they got rid of the twenty four seven Championship. We have the Raw uh, Women's Championship. We have the SmackDown Women's Championship. We have the Men's uh, Raw Tag Team Championship, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, and the Women's Tag Team Championships. That's nine championships on the main roster. Nine championships on the main roster uh, alone. Um, as we are, NXT has the NXT Men's, NXT Women's, and the North American Championship. That's fine. Uh, but nine championships is, for me, in my opinion overkill um technically you don't have nine championships on the main at the moment because two champions are holding two of the titles so So Roman's got the two big ones and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have got the both the tag titles so you got seven so what's your arguments null and void what are you going on because it can still it can still end up them being separated that's the thing if for example if Reigns only puts one of the titles up on the line and loses it then again we're back to you know know, well eight champions at that point I think you've got a valid point. And I think that, you know, championships in professional wrestling back in the 80s, back in the 90s, were, they meant something. They they were yes. a title. If you held the World Heavyweight title for the, the WWE Championship at the point, the World Wrestling Federation winged the Eagle or the Attitude Era belt, um, it meant you were the number one performer in that company. It yes. meant something. It meant you were the main eventer. It meant you, you were, were the getting bigger paychecks. Yeah, you were the it meant you were the face of the brand. It meant you were bringing the gate in. If you were Ric Flair or uh, the icon Sting, who held the NWA World Heavyweight title, or Dusty Rhodes, or Bruno Sammartino, or whoever, you know, Harley Race, Terry Funk, you were the face of the independent scene. You were, you were the face of the territories. And yeah. it meant something. Whereas now the titles, because they get transitioned so much, because they drop, because they do. Let's take the guns, you know, the gun club with the FTR, right? Dropping it after a few weeks. You know, it's a transitional championship. Sometimes that has to happen for a great, a good storyline. So it has to happen sometimes for an injury. Yeah. But I think it happens too much. It hurts the lineage of the championship. I think bringing a championship and giving it to somebody hurts the lineage of the championship. And I'm going back to 2002, Eric Bischoff giving Triple H the the big gold belt, the world heavyweight title, the belt synonymous with the nature boy, Ric Flair, that we just talked about. Hands it to him and says, you are now the heavyweight champion of the world. You are the figurehead of Monday Night Raw. Why? When you draft a champion to SmackDown and the corresponding champion goes to Raw, and you hand the titles over. That hurts the lineage of the titles. Does. They need to look at a way of combining the main straps into one. One WWE Championship, 
that goes against against both both shows. One tag team titles, one intercontinental slash United States merge it right and if the world title for example is being fought on smackdown then your intercontinental championship is being fought on raw and vice versa so yeah. that each brand has got a championship that is the figurehead of that com- of, of that show of that period and then they get to they get to move it around so it's not always on smackdown mm-hmm. it's not always on raw you get an even, even shake right yeah but the one title that I don't think works is the women's tag team titles. And I'm with Corey Graves is with me on that. Yeah, I, I, I agree because of the fact that, you know, they just throw singles that there are no proper women's tag team tag teams there. there. I think the, the last time we had a proper women's tag team was probably the Iconics because they came up to the main roster together because they made themselves, uh, you know, a, a, a figurehead of NXT uh, as a t- as basically as a duo, um, you can look back at you know when we had Layla and Michelle McCall. Um, you know they were a duo that you know you'd never really see one without the other. Um, so that was kind of a, um, a another thing with that. So, uh, but I totally agree, and and I know uh, Sam uh, Pro Wrestle Dorset says mm. the same. Undisputed Championship should be combined into uh, to one t- title belt, same as tag titles, and I totally agree. But what I what I feel, and I think maybe this is where you and I, Andy, will, will differ on this, is I feel that champions should be eligible to appear on either show. Um, once the champion loses the title, they they get stuck either on or a SmackDown. Now, the the thing is, what I like about that as well is we don't. What I used to find frustrating back in the day, especially in the mid two thousands when we originally had the first brand split was you'd have to wait a whole week. So, so for example, if it was Undertaker versus Edge regarding the World Heavyweight Championship on SmackDown, we'd have to wait a whole week uh, till we caught caught up with what was going on there. You know, then we would just have, and it was the same thing with Raw, with the the WWE Championship and and whatnot. Mm. Uh, It was was a one-week thing. Mm. Whereas at the moment, we get the champions usually appear on Raw and SmackDown. So, for me, that works. And what I also like it is it allows both Raw and SmackDown to have guys on uh, on on their shows and even the women in the women's division um, battle it out and more opportunities for them to have their shots and their opportunities for the, the, the big titles. Um, now, what I do like is, as I said this many times before, you look at sort of, I don't know, the year 2000, for example, um, we had just the WWE Championship as the the main one, and that we had we had Rock, Austin, Taker, Foley, Big Show, Rikishi, Kane, Benoit, Jericho. That's nine names already that are main eventers. That they were all vying. Oh, Kurt Angle. That's ten. I can't believe I left Kurt out. I do apologise, Kurt. Um, that's ten main eventers. That would always, when you would have a pay per view, say for example, we we would we got to SummerSlam at one point, we'd have The Rock versus Taker and Kane with for the WWE Championship. Also on that card, we would have um, one or two, maybe three, or even a Fatal Four Way for the number one contendership match. You know, so you would always have these different people that were main event stars, always battling, vying mm. to get to that shot to take on the champion. And I miss that. 
Um, I think playing devil's advocate to that point, and that's a good time for me to interject mm -hmm. at, at this point, is I maybe not exp didn't explain myself correct. I don't mean that you have the world mm -hmm. title on Raw and the Intercontinental title on SmackDown. I, I don't agree with that at all. Okay. What I mean is you can't, and, and you've kind of... <sighs> You kind of answered your own point in a roundabout way because what I think you can't do is have the world champion in a feud on Raw and the world champion on a feud on SmackDown at the mm -hmm. same time. Okay. Yeah. Because unless you're going to go to separate pay per views again, so you're going to have April being Backlash, that's the mm -hmm. Raw pay per view, May is this, you're risking the payoff not being there. Right. So yeah. if you, let's let's take WrestleMania. Let, let's take the run up to WrestleMania, right? As a good case in point, from the Royal Rumble right the way through to Elimination Chamber, you had two world title stories going on. You had Cody Rhodes on Raw, and you had Sami Zayn on SmackDown. Now it got to Elimination Chamber. Yeah, we were all turning around saying, "Oh, Sami might do it. Sami might do it. It might be Sami going to WrestleMania to face Cody Rhodes." Right. That's a unique situation. But you're not going to get that all the time. So you're either going to get to a point where you're going to go, well, that contender just doesn't have a chance. It's going to go to the SmackDown one or, or the Raw one or whatever. So I mm -hmm. think that there's an issue there of potentially booking themselves into a corner by putting the world champion on too much and having too many feuds going. You're watering down the, the lineage of that. You're, you're, you're watering down the, the power of what that title could be. That title should mm -hmm. always be about this one-on-one -on -one feud with someone chasing for it. Once that storyline's finished, you could interject somebody else into that storyline and then it takes off and it, and it runs away. But I don't think you could have the world title in a storyline on Raw and a storyline on SmackDown concurrently because I think it loses something. One of them will not get the rub that they need. What I'm suggesting is if you've got Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, for example, and that's the mm -hmm. feud for the world title that's happening on Raw, yeah? On SmackDown, you've got Roman Reigns appearing to cut a promo to further that story. That's fine. He might get interjected by somebody on the SmackDown brand. They might come out laying the foundations for a future challenge to, to Roman Reigns. But your figurehead feud is the Intercontinental Champion. You're putting Gunther in the main event for this example. You're putting Sheamus in the main event for this example. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the titles keep trading so you're getting different competition all the way through because i remember what you're saying about 2002 and i agree with you to a degree that you know you if the world title was on smackdown you had to wait to friday night or wednesday night whatever bloody night it was on at that point then you had to wait to monday night raw but at the same point having too many storylines for that one belt at the same time in my opinion and this is my opinion only waters down the prestige of that title i'd rather they did one story and did it well than try to do multiple stories over six weeks and they water it down to the point that you don't get the payoff for anything because you're also risking the champion getting injured which then means you're going to get a quicker drop or the challenger getting in or whatever so and that's my and that's my take on it and i disagree on the basis as oh, well yeah. that if you look at for one 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 period, I definitely look at. If you look at again, if we go back to the year two thousand, for example, 
Look at Fully Loaded 2000. I think a highly underrated pay-per-view. Brilliant pay-per-view that was. You, It was billed as a triple main event. You had the story going on, the storyline going on between Angle and Undertaker. You had the story going on between Triple H and Chris Jericho. You had the story going on between The Rock and Benoit. Uh, and, and that was for the title. But during those pay-per-views every, each month, they were all integrated in different points. They were all still as a collective, but they still branched out in their own storylines, but they were all still within the world championship picture. It was that that's what I loved about it. You know, you had Taker and, and Kurt Angle go off and do their thing. And then you had uh, um, the Rock and Benoit doing their thing. And then, but no one ever forgets about the beef that they've got with each other. And also, if you look at episodes of Raw and SmackDown around that time, and I think this was partly to maybe protect the champion as well, and maybe to protect the challengers as well. There was a lot of tag team matches, six-man tag team matches, eight-man tag team matches, which all involved pretty much those main eventers still against each other or having to be forced to team with each other. Sometimes, you remember where we used to get something, for example, we might get on... Um, we might get the Rock and Stone Cold teaming up with the Dudley Boys or the APA versus, you know, Triple H and, um, you know, and, and, and another heel, uh, you know, or, and Kurt Angle. I remember when Triple H and Kurt Angle were forced to team with each other, which caused the friction between Stephanie and Triple H and things like that. This is what I miss. And also it gives the opportunities to give the platform the spotlight to potential future main eventers, how else will we know that Sami Zayn can really hang as a main event player and then to have him in that environment? And that's what I miss. There are ways of doing it and still having the champion on both shows and that you've just got to keep the core audience invested in what's going around around them because they were building storylines between them. But, but that's, and that's what we miss. But that's the problem. Opinion. That's the problem, right? The problem is they can barely do storylines to keep the fans engaged now. It's been a yeah. – the bloodline has been a one-off. The whole bloodline story has been a one-off. Mm. And, I, and I do think, going back to that, by – I'm going to – I'll disagree with Jay, uh, former Two Men of Their Mics co-host, Jay, uh, Jay Dempsey, um, that he said to me the other week that Cody losing was written in the wind and that should have happened and it was good for business and etc etc. I disagree with that. I think that bloodline story is beginning to fade out, right? I, yes. I think they they've made a mistake with that. Um but that's personal opinion again. Yeah. The problem is the bloodline, the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens and Cody Rhodes story has been the only thing that has been worthwhile yeah. that you remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus, Lita, all that type of thing. Fine. Judgment Day versus Edge. Okay. Dominic versus Rey Mysterio. Yeah, you remember it. But 12 months down the line, are you going to be talking about it? No. Are you going to be talking about the Bloodline feud and Roman Reigns as the 1000 day champion? Absolutely. They've done that well. But my concern is if they can't do one, if they can only do one story right, Based on your model, what you're saying is there is no hope in house chance that they're going to be able to do multiple stories for that yeah. world championship or the Intercontinental Championship or the Tag Team Championship across both shows concurrently 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, and this is this is I'll put this to bed 
now I'll just two two more things I want to touch on with with this now because obviously time and we've got to move on. But what I do want to put on the, uh, on that is uh, two things. Um, number one, it comes down to the writing. You can make it happen. You can make it happen. Um, there's more than enough talent to make all that happen. You've just got to give. You've just got to build them. You've got to allow them to show what they can do and allow the fans to be invested in that. The second one is. And I hope this is actually an insight to the future under Triple H is I will praise Triple H and the WWE for what they are doing, what they have done with Roman Reigns in terms of the longevity of his reign. And also with Gunther, the longevity of his reign has brought a lot of prestigiousness back to the Intercontinental Championship. Um, the US title with them, it's getting there. It's a bit more of a slow burner, but it's getting there where I can feel that they're trying to make it a little bit more prestigious. I just think that because where theory is at the moment and because of everything else that's going on uh, and the, I may be reluctant to, uh, uh, to um, give someone else a chance or to, to figure out who should be the next one to put in a programme with theory, um, the US title may get to that point. But it's doable. But it will all depend on creative and the writers to allow that to happen. And I think under Triple H, who thrived in that environment when that was happening, everything that I explained, he was one of the figureheads and he was one of the key champions during that time. Who knows what we could potentially be seeing? I don't agree with doing this, the... Um, the, the brand split pay-per-views doing oh one month it's a raw pay-per-view and another it's SmackDown. I don't agree with it. Uh, that's that's just me. Um mm. I just think it's too drawn out. You've got to wait two months for mm. you know another you know raw to have another one or SmackDown to have another one. I don't agree with that. I just think that this should also make pay-per-views do away with a lot of the filler, a lot of the unnecessary stuff and make pay-per-view matches count. Have them matter. No, and that that is pretty much all I've got to say about that. But we'll see. But at the moment, there's too many titles. They need to whittle it down and they need to focus on those. Well, there you go. That was possibly the most heated debate that him and I have had in uh, nearly a year of doing this show. So there you go. Who won? <laughs> Who, what do you think about the championships, not only in the WWE, but in professional wrestling? Let us know. 077-243-12752 or tweet us at WrestlingTSC. Uh, leave us a comment on the YouTube video or Instagram us at TSC Wrestling Podcast. All right. So yes. coming up next, it's my turn to challenge Stefan in Who Am I? Okie dokie, Stefan, are you ready? For those of you who don't know what Who Am I is, we're going to give you five clues. They're going to get progressively from harder to easy, uh, and we'll see how quickly Stefan can tell me who I am based on the clue. Stefan, are you ready? Go on in. I was born on April the 11th, 1943. Okay, next question. <laughs> I made my wrestling debut in 1959. Oh, Christ. You've gone for a difficult... You've gone for a way, 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 way back one. This is oh, good, yeah. probably a, definitely a legend. Yeah. 1959 was their debut. Yep. Christ. Um... Any idea? I don't know. Right. Next. I retired in December of 
Is it Bruno? Nope. Nice guess, though. Nice guess. During my career, I was a king. Harley Race. Yes. Well done. Good going. Yeah. Yeah. King bit gives it away. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because Haku continued. He was a king. He continued. Duggan was a king. He continued. Jerry Lawler continued. So, yeah. They left left really Harley. Yeah. There you go. My last one was going to be I managed Big Van Vader. That would have definitely. Ah, been that would have, yeah. Oh, I miss Harley Race. Harley Race. I loved, I loved his run as Vader's manager in WCW. In the original, in the classic era of WCW. Yeah, Race Rate. Oh, and, and Mr. Hughes as well. They don't make, see, this is what I mean. They don't make the, these people like they used to. Uh, I don't know. But before we move on to segment number three, we want to give a shout out. Do you, I mean, the answer to that is probably yes. Would you love to go to WrestleMania? Yes. Well, if you like to do it and as hassle-free as possible, then contact Wrestle Tours. I was with them under their previous banner uh, when I went to Dallas last year. They are currently uh, part of Progress Wrestling Wrestle Tours. You can be flying out on the third to the 9th of April, 2024. You can currently put your name down or inquire about their current standard package by emailing uh, tours at progresswrestling.com. So for as little as £200 deposit, you will get your tickets for both nights of WrestleMania at 100 level or better. That's great. You get a six-night stay at the five-star Logan Philadelphia Curio Collection by Hilton, uh, which is in a great location. I've checked that out. You get your tickets to both Raw and SmackDown, most likely Hall of Fame if they continue with the SmackDown Um Hall of Fame double uh, again, 100 level or better. Uh, you also get tickets for the Progress Wrestling Show that will take place over in Philly over that week. Uh, you, there will be meet and greet opportunities with many, many well known wrestling stars. You get your own special merchandise included. You get your transportation to pick you up from the hotel, uh, from the airport to the hotel, and from the hotel back to the airport on departure, and also transportation included from your hotel to the Lincoln Financial Field and return on both nights of WrestleMania. So get in contact with Wrestle Tours, part of Progress Wrestling. Uh, email them on tours at progresswrestling.com. Get your in- make your inquiries there, get your names down, get your deposits there, and you're going to have a whale of a time because, uh, as I said, was with them uh, when they did Dallas last year, and it was so much fun. They had uh, impact superstars over there. Uh, the likes of Jordan Grace, Jonathan Gresham was there, um, you know. So get get it down there, and uh, I tell you what, you can't beat them a week over for Mania. I've done it once, and it, it's it is a trip of a lifetime. Well, let, let's see what happens next year. But if you want to email Wrestle Tours, the email is on screen now. It's tours at progresswrestling.com. It's the WrestleMania 40 package. Why would you not want to go to the city of brotherly love? Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the home of ECW, the home of Paul Heyman, the home of the franchise, Shane Douglas. See, that's why I did it. You have to wonder what the Hall of Fame inductees are going to look like next year. Uh, uh, Yes, I think a certain advocate might be going into the WWE Hall of Fame at that point. All right. Okay. So still to come on the show this week, we are going to be bringing you some additional news line. Plus, 
we're going to bring rewind and look at some best picks. Let's get to the next bit. This is News Extra. So on his recent podcast, Keeping It 100, Lucha Libre legend Conan spoke about how Tony Khan has been very public about his dislike towards WWE and the fact it is 100% legitimate. He said it's especially extreme after FDR dropped the AAA tag team titles to Dragon Lee who immediately relinquished the title to sign with the WWE. Conan later discussed on the same podcast his personal relationship with Khan, how he continues to keep things peaceful due to a number of AAA talents being involved with AEW. He adds that he had a very civil conversation with Tony about working with the WWE for Rey Mysterio's Hall of Fame induction. He says, and we quote, he has Pentagon and Phoenix and Tyre Valkyrie. He's got people under contract that we use that literally started in AAA. I get along with Tony, but I did tell him that I'm going to induct Ray. And he said, yeah, very good, very logical, because he knows we're the boys. This past Sunday at Impact Wrestling's Rebellion pay-per-view, not only did we have a brand new world champion crowned in Steve Macklin, we also saw the return of the UK's own national treasure. Nick Aldis has now signed with Impact. We're not sure for how long, but he made his return in sound commentary at Rebellion. After the show, he tweeted, thank you, Toronto, for the warm welcome. I'm excited to be back with Impact. The energy in the dressing room is off the charts. And when I look at this world-class roster, I'm so excited about the possibilities that lie ahead. As soon as the world title match was finished, he then went into the ring and looks like the challenge was issued for Nick Aldis versus Steve Macklin. Also on the show, Jordan Grace lost the knockouts championship match to Deanna Perrazzo. That makes Perrazzo and Macklin the third husband-wife couple in Impact to hold both of the major straps. But more importantly, Jordan Grace is now a free agent. The contract originally came up in March and she's been working on an extension up until this point. So where is Jordan Grace going to go next? Is it going to be AEW or will it be WWE? Will she re-sign with Impact or will she go to New Japan? Who knows? Keep tuned to the Squared Circle. We'll tell you more about it after this. But right now, that's it for the news. <laughs> All right, there we go. That was smooth. That was seamless. Anybody think that I prepared that? I didn't. Didn't know that was going to work. Uh, right, that was News Extra. Coming up now, it's a new segment. This is Rewind. Kind of been busy this week. You know, mm. anybody think I haven't got a day job? I do, by the way. Uh, TSC Rewind is Rewind, 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 Rewind. Craig Rewind. Selector. Uh, let's take it back. Never do that again, Andy. Please, never do that again. Okay. Uh, we're <laughs> going to pick three dates from this week in wrestling history, kicking off with April the 17th. Uh, back in 2000, it was an episode of Monday Night Raw, which was held in Pennsylvania. Mm. And the show opened with Chris Jericho taking on the game Triple H. Now, before the match, Jericho gro uh, groaded Triple H into putting the WWE world title on the line. And he agreed. 
then Jericho announced that he'd got some protection for the belt and brought out the APA. Uh, during the match, the referee got knocked out. Shane McMahon tried to interfere but was chased away by the APA. Hebner ran into the ring to take over refereeing duties, got into a shoving match with Triple H. Jericho took advantage and hit Hunter with a spinning heel kick, then a lion salt, got the pin with Hebner hitting a fast count, making Jericho the brand new WWF World Heavyweight Champion. After the match, both referees were brought into the ring and threatened by both Triple H and Shane McMahon, the corporate ministry at the time, with Mike Kyoto, the original referee, saying it was a fast count. The match was overturned, not officially counted as a win for Jericho, and the belt was given back to Triple H. Also on the show, Scotty Too Hotty won. Can you believe this? We want to talk about championships. The WWF Light Heavyweight Championship after pinning the Iceman, Dean Malenko. I mean, this... I want to shout out that uh, Scotty Too Hotty and Dean Malenko, right? I actually spoke to Scotty on Facebook uh, a little while back about uh, about this. Um how highly underrated, and it never gets mentioned, their match at Backlash uh, in the year 2000, a Backlash 2000 for that light heavyweight championship as well, is one of the one of the most underrated wrestling matches I've ever seen. That match was outstanding. Oh, Scotty could go. He still can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We all know Scott Taylor could go. But that match, it rarely ever gets a mention. Mm. Because I don't know whether it's because it was during the Attitude Era or what, but it never gets a, men- a fair mention. That match was one of the best matches during that time I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, like he, in, in that era. Dean Malenko, you know, God God bless him. You know, he's suffering from Parkinson's pretty badly now. But yeah. one of the greatest cruiserweights, if not the greatest cruiserweight of all time, yeah. right up there. You know, him, Jerry Lynn, Eddie Guerrero, Psychosis, Jericho. <laughs> You know, just reminds every time someone mentions Dean Malenko, and that uh, obviously you always think of the nickname "the man of a thousand holds," and it always reverts back to the WCW where Jericho really did the whole uh, hold number two hundred and thirty-seven yeah. yeah. armbar. Everything was armbar. I still to this day, and I've got to correct this, uh, and that I still to this day I've still not got a T-shirt with that on, and I've still be, I've been telling myself to get one for years and i still haven't i need to correct that maybe we need to change that that. we're now going to shift forward uh two days to april 19th this time going back to 1998 because we're going to pay-per-view this was wcw Mm. spring stampede it took place in denver colorado drew 7428 fans had a number of matches on there including uh, the man we just talked about, Chris Jericho, defeating Prince Iakea to retain the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Booker T defeated Chris Benoit to retain the World Television Championship. Kurt Hennig defeated the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Big Sexy Kevin Ash defeated Roddy Piper and the Giant in a baseball bat on a pole match. I mean, this is pre-Vince <laughs> Russo era. Uh, after the match, Hogan turned on Nash and hit him across the back with a baseball bat. Uh, Raven defeated DDP in a Ravens rule match to win the US Championship. And the Macho Man, Randy Savage, defeated the Icon Sting in a no-DQ match to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The match ended after both Hogan and Nash had interfered with Hogan attacking Savage and Nash attacking Sting. And then Nash pulling Savage on top of Sting for the three count. Only what was the name of that pay per view? Spring Stampede. Spring Stampede. 
Yeah, you said WCW Spring Stampede, didn't you? WCW NWO Spring Stampede. Thank you. That correction, ladies and gentlemen, was paid in full by the New World Order. Thank you. Yeah. I used to love their little segments. Yeah, it used to be great. Yeah. Be... Now, Spring Stampede is on the WWE Network. I watched it recently. I actually think it's a cracking little pay-per-view. A lot it, of... it is. They, they used to have... There are a lot of WCW pay-per-views which are very, very underrated. Um, and I don't think, you know, I think maybe because of the times and there was too much focus on the NWO uh, back at that time. But some of them have got some proper hidden gems on some of those oh, pay-per-views yeah. back then. Um, yeah. But we're going to go to uh, April 21st, 2002. WWF Backlash was uh, held at Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, in front of 12,489 fans. This was the last pay-per-view under the WWF name as a court ruled that the initials WWF belong to trademark to the worldwide fund for nature is the full name which why not just WWFN why not just stick the N on the end it would have solved everything but well, they no. had to get the F out didn't they yeah so on Sunday night heat before the main show Big Show defeated Just Incredible and Stephen Richards in a handicap match and then on the pay-per-view itself Tajiri defeated Billy Kidman to win the Cruiserweight Championship after he blew red mist in Kidman's eyes and got the pin that was followed by Scott Hall defeating Bradshaw after hitting him with a low blow when the referee was distracted. In women's competition, the WWF Women's Championship was on the line. Jazz defeating Trish Stratus by submission to retain that championship. And then in his first ever televised match for the WWF, Brock Lesnar defeated Jeff Hardy after the referee stopped the match due to Lesnar hitting Hardy with multiple power bombs. I remember that. That was yeah, that was brutal. Brutal, yeah. Uh, the Olympic hero Kurt Angle defeating Edge by pinfall following an angle slam and Latino Heat himself. God bless you, Eddie. Eddie Guerrero defeating Rob Van Dam to win the Intercontinental Championship. Then later on, it was the dead man, The Undertaker, defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin to become the number one contender for the undisputed WWF Championship. Ric Flair was a special referee, and when he made the three count, he didn't see that Austin had his foot on the ropes. This goes back to my uh, the topic. Uh, this is how you can book some stuff with main events around <laughs> the championship. Billy and Chuck, the whole, you look good to me. Mm, not really. Defeated Maven and Al Snow. God bless you, Al. Love you. To retain the tag team championships. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang what? on a minute. Al Snow's what? not dead. I know. I'm, but what, I, I love Al. Why would you do it? God bless. Love you, I Al. Love you, kind of... I, I, I didn't point up. I went, yeah. love you, man. That kind of insinuates, like, no. podcast listeners no. might think that you think Al, Al Snow's Snow is away. far from dead, I know. I don't, wow. I'm just showing my, my love wow. for Al. I love Al. Wow. Anyway, wow. following interference from both Chris Jericho and The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan pinned Triple H to win the Undisputed WWF Championship. This was Hogan's first WWF Championship since 1993 when he lost to Yokozuna at King of the Ring. After, so, after uh, winning it at WrestleMania 9, thanks to Salt. I mean, that is Rewind. Right. We we might do this weekly, we might not. I quite like it. I think looking back at it. I like it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I think it's a great. Uh, a great little throwback. Yeah, um, definitely. Real gems when you're looking through this to try and uh, bring yeah. these back in and looking back to some of these past episodes of Raw and SmackDown and anything else is really good. Now, last segment for us tonight is, as always, as 
as as always, as we wrap up the show, uh, no audios issues, Touchwood tonight. Also in a new location. Uh, this is TSC Top Picks, where we give you our top picks from the week that was in professional wrestling, looking at best wrestler, best show, best match, best segment, promo or angle, mm. the best storyline, best company, and best moment. So let's kick it off this week with best match. Yeah, give us your best wrestler, Andy, of the week. Hang on. I said let's kick it off with best match. Oh, best match? Okay, best match. Oh, talk, about not listening to me. talk about not listening to me. Sorry. I'm going to go with Chris Jericho versus Keith Lee from Dynamite. Agreed. I think it was crazy. It was nice to see Keith Lee showcased on AEW in singles competition. And again, this is why when we when I mentioned this beforehand, you know, why do people criticize Chris Jericho and say you're past it, it's time to hang up hang up the tights? Why? Chris Jericho's doing great at enhancing and making younger talent look good. You know, why should he have to hang it up? But we also Lee, but what's better is we've got the tease now for Jericho versus Adam Cole. Yes. Which is going to be, you know, similar to what you've just said, it's going to be a barn burner. That is going to be a cracker, um, mm. these two. And that's going to obviously going to happen at the next pay-per-view. But, I mean, it's it's an absolute cracker. And you've got to think, just going back to the all-in discussion from the top of the show tonight, whatever happens with this four-pillar storyline with MJF, Jack Perry, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allen, you've got to be thinking... All in Wembley, biggest crowd in AEW history. That's what I'm Adam thinking. Cole but what wins if they the added Adam Cole to that match? Pardon? What if they added Adam Cole to that match? Well, you that's imagine. What... I'm thinking. I'm thinking that match is going to happen before All In. I think you're going to get Adam Cole versus MJF, the main event of All In. Love it. Would love it. That's Absolutely my prediction. Because you can imagine yeah. Adam Cole walking into Wembley Stadium with 100,000 fans going, Adam Cole, baby. When yeah. he wins the world title, which they will do at that event, and hearing that crowd go absolutely nuts for Adam Cole winning it, that is a soundbite sound that AEW will use for years. Yeah, that would be a beautiful payoff and a beautiful moment because of the time he missed out due to his yeah. success with concussions. I just want to shout out as well. I did watch because uh, it's finally been aired on ITV4. Uh, I finally got to catch the first episode of their AEW's All Access uh, show. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot better than I thought it was. Um, it seemed more authentic than what Total Divas and Total Bellas ever uh, did. Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, I, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. But that focused on Adam Cole's to uh, injury yes. timeout with his concussions. So to see him and being a big Adam Cole fan, I would love to see him uh, close all in with the AEW World Championship uh, up in his hair and two fingers of the other ones and then with an Adam Cole baby and the whole place just eating it up. I'd love it. And, it, you know, the opportunity to see more of uh, Britt uh, Breaker on Brit TV, I'm all for Well, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Nothing wrong. I need I need to see a dentist. No. Nothing wrong with seeing a bit of Britt Baker. Nothing wrong there. Yeah. All right. So your best match was the same as mine. That was Keith Lee no. versus Jericho. Let's go to best wrestler then at any company. What was yours? I actually found this one quite a tough one. Um I'm gone, I'm going Bronson Reed again, I think for maybe the second week in a row. Um his what he did on Raw. Uh, sorry, yeah, on Raw, sorry, last night. I, I thoroughly enjoyed him. and uh, He's really showing. And I think WWE, especially with the build-up promo, the I'm a nice guy and, and all this, like, and then absolutely 
uh, having uh, doing what he did, um, yeah, for me, I think Bronson Reed just for me, uh, like I said, I think he's a star, potentially a star in the making. Right. Uh, a lot of people are going to have to keep an eye on on Bronson Reed. Uh, I'm just so glad that they brought him back um, because there's no one else like him really on the roster. There's, there's just not. Um, I'm, and I I'm, think he's brilliant. I'm actually going to go to NXT for mine. Okay. I'm going to go with Carmelo Hayes. Maybe Ooh, I know he was okay. in action, yeah. but I think the promo, I think the feud that we've now yeah. got between him and Grayson Waller, yeah. I think the Bron Breaker heel turn and how that's impacted, I think he did a great, a great debut as NXT World Champion, and and it may yeah. not be best wrestler doesn't necessarily mean you're in the ring, it's the whole package, and I think he did a cracking job. I, I thought it was more interesting about that as well was um, the whole Bron Breaker showing up for the first time as a heel and yes. pretty much like say, saying that he's not interested in the NXT Championship, what you would expect him to go with, and being like, "Oh, you're now you're going to see what I'm going to do." Yeah, kind of I thing. mean, I'm surprised. Bizarre. I'm surprised they pulled the trigger on that so quickly, yeah. considering. And we're going to say it for the 15th hundred time tonight, April the 28th with the WWE draft on SmackDown, because you've got to think at this point, Bron Breaker is being brought up to the main roster, right? Oh, yeah. He has to. So to pull the trigger on the heel turn on NXT, it was a weird thing. But what Mm -hmm. I do like is he said, I don't give a damn about the NXT championship anymore. So when he does go up to the main roster, they're, yeah, they're he was not calling really... it kind of like a hindrance, wasn't it? He was yeah, saying that the title was like a hindrance. They've not really called it a curse, it a title. It a curse yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to give a big shout out, though, if I can, to Trish Stratus. Mm. Because ah. I, I thought Trish, Becky, the tag titles with Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez was, was fantastic. It was a fantastic match. Not mm. good enough to win best match. But for Trish Stratus, who hasn't laced up the boots in a number of years, that is officially retired, but could actually run circles around the majority of the women's locker room in both WWE and AEW. Mm. She looked fantastic. She can still go. It was she put on a great performance, not only at Mania, but on Monday Night Raw. She she did. The promo was good. I know there were some people, because people like to nitpick, because that's what some of the wrestling community do, saying that it looked like Trish was struggling to keep a straight face during her promo. Uh, it looked like she was smiling a little too much. No, I think it was smiling. It was an arrogant smile. Yeah. I think she nailed exactly what she needed to. Uh, I have to give props to Liv and Raquel. They look brilliant uh, as a team, um, I, I have to say. And, um, I yeah, I just... Um, I've been impressed with the whole thing. I know Becky tweeted yesterday that she wasn't going to be at Raw, um, so I'm still interested to see how Lita and Be- uh, how Lita features in this. Well, Lita's bestie has done what she's done. Lita's tweeted out a picture going back to WrestleMania 39, yeah. tagging in Trish, saying, "How can we get her back to these good times?" So in- interesting. They're obviously carrying on with it, uh, but yeah, honorary shout out to to uh, Trish Stratus there. Um, yeah. Okay, best segment promo or angle from this past week, and I'll tell you what, there are a fair few to choose from. There are, there are. I've gone with one. Maybe you, you may have thought of, you may not have. I'm going to give it to the Darby Allen, MJF, and Sting one. I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, MJF was trying his best to get under Darby Allen's skin. Darby was probably getting under MJF's skin a little bit. Sting came out. Sting, I thought, had great fun with his 
uh, input on there. He got under MJF's skin. He had a little bit of fun with what he said. And he hyped up Darby Allen as well. Uh, the bit where he brought out, you know, where he was criticising MJF for basically saying Sting's nothing more than the cheerleader and then pulling out the pom-poms and getting a pom-pom chant from the AEW crowd was, was great. I really enjoyed that segment, but you are right. There was quite a few... Uh, across promotions uh, this past week. Mm. But I'm going to give it to MJF, uh, Darby Allen, and Sting for that because I just thought that was really entertaining. Damn you, I was going for that one as well. Oh, okay. damn you. But I agree with you. I think anytime you put MJF on the mic, he's gold. And, oh, yeah. you know, I think that <sighs> the other thing as well was. Darby Allen is coming into his own, and you're seeing Father Sting mm. and Sammy Guevara and Jack Perry. This whole mm. four pillars storyline is, is tremendous. But now you've stolen that one from me. Um, okay. I'm going to go back to Dynamite, and I'm going to go with the BCC, uh, the promo, and then the return of the Elite and the Super Kick Party, mm. and then going with the screwdriver, trying to get Mox. Mox goes. We've got a legitimate heel faction now in yeah. the Blackpool yeah. Combat yeah. Club. That that Basically was my second, yeah. That was my second, yeah, choice. So you've got um, to think yeah. now. You've got what Danielson, Mox, Wheeler, Uter, and, and Claudio Castagnoli. Mm-hmm. So Adam Page has got to be returning back to the elite. It, it's it's got to be pretty yeah. much confirmed now. Oh, I think that's been on the cards for a while. I mean, it, since he, he tweeted out saying about building bridges, um, I think that was pretty much what he was alluding to. I want to give a, a worthy mention to Cody Rhodes, though, with mm. the segment last night on Raw with Brock Lesnar. Now, a lot of people who are a little bit anti-Cody think, oh, but he comes back as this, you know, in his suits, a bit too goody two-shoes and, and very polite. We saw anything but. Cody showed no fear. Cody was willing to break. He broke the rules. He was willing. It was like, no nonsense, Cody Rhodes. This is, I want a piece of Lesnar. I want to fight and seeing Lesnar sort of just standing there sort of like with that smirk on his face kind of thing. I'm now more invested in their match at Backlash than I was before. My only issue is, is this going to be a hindrance to Cody's made event push to him challenging for the title? Uh, are they just kind of diverting him away from that? Or is this something which to be fair, both Cody and Brock went, do you know what? I want to work with you. Yeah. I want to work with you too. Let's, let's do something. And they found a spot to bring it sooner rather than later. I think this is a match that everybody's wanted to see for a long time. And I, I know mm. people are going to criticize me for saying that, but Brock Lesnar, when he's at his best, is with an opponent who gets the best out of him. Yeah. My issue is, with Brock Lesnar is I, I'm a fan of the Brock Lesnar from the 2000s. The Brock Lesnar in the trunks, you know, the ones that mixed, that had, you know, clinic matches with Kurt Angle, for example, yeah. you know, top, top matches like that. I'm not a big fan of Lesnar, the destroyer, the one that goes in as like a five minute match. And it's just, uh, just, just hot spots, you know, and, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I hope that we can actually see a little bit more of the old school Lesnar in this because Cody is going to want to wrestle. Um, and I think that if Brock is willing to actually wrestle a match properly, like he used to, if he still can, I think this could be a very, uh, 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 this could potentially um, steal the show. It, it yeah. could. Um, it could do that. Well, and and I like the fact that they're not putting Lesnar in with the likes of Lashley again or an Omos, another big guy versus big guy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really ho- I hope that this match is going to deliver. Well, you've got to think this is main event of, of Backlash, right? This is, 
this is this is if not main event, it's co-main event. Along with yeah, I mean, you've got to think that the six-man tag with the Usos yeah. and Solo versus Riddle and Owens and yeah. Zayn may or yeah. may be main event or but it, sub-main it's, event. It's definitely event. co-main event, but it's going to be in. Yeah. You're right. For me, though, and it, it, it's blatant booking, and it makes perfect sense because whoever went up with Cody Rhodes in the tag match would never get a tag team, would never get a world title shot while Roman Reigns was champ. Yeah, it makes sense. It's Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. For me, I think they missed a trick. And what I would have loved to have seen is a face turn from mm-hmm. Gunther to team up with Cody Rhodes to then turn on him at the end. And then you get Gunther versus Cody Rhodes, which we saw how stiff they worked at the Royal Rumble. But you've got to be think you're saving that for a later date. But I, I, I still been, think that, that potentially is going to be the championship match at Mania next year. I've just got... I still think that's going to be the championship match. I agree with um, you. At, but I, at Mania next year. I just think instead of bringing out Brock Lesnar, to bring out a younger gun, a younger stud like Gunther, yeah. who has had a great year so far, like you said, brought prestige back to the Intercontinental Championship, yeah. would have made more sense. And they had that history from mm. from the Rumble. Oh, um, absolutely. And, and I think that would have been it would be a barn burner of a match. It would be absolutely amazing. And how much would that have got the crowd going the night yeah. after Raw on a lackluster Monday Night Raw anyway? I think it would be an interesting dynamic when the draft happens if Imperium gets split. I think that's pretty much bound to happen. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I mean, I, I think Gunther doesn't need them. I mean, I'd, I'd, I I would miss uh, Ludwig Kaiser doing the in, the uh, the announcing for him because I just I, I love the way yeah. it adds to to yeah. that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it would be an interesting dyma- dynamic. But I do agree. I did that. I think they have missed a trick there. But who's to say that maybe this isn't something or, or something likewise isn't gonna, isn't still in the pipeline? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to best storyline. And you. <laughs> it's oh, see, I'm torn between the. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave the bloodline thing to the side here because I've given them so much props uh, yeah. over, over time. Over the, I think it's too that, easy like, to do that now with the bloodline. Yeah, it is, uh, and it's kind of a cop out. I'm not going to do it. I'm really torn between uh, the Lesnar Cody thing because of last night. For me, it it got my interest. Whereas the week before, when the turn happened, it didn't really. I was actually a bit yeah. annoyed by it, to be fair. Yeah. But I am going to give it to the four pillars of AEW, the continuation of the four pillars. I just think that it's where they've got that lineage of, you know, exactly what MJF has referred to, what they've all referred to um, over time, what they appear to be building towards. Uh, it's making um, Allen look good. It's making Guevara look even better. It's making um, Jack Perry look uh, even better. I think it's actually it, it's doing some real good, mm. uh, and I'm really excited. It's, it's piqued my interest. I'm really excited to see how this is all going to play out. Agree, I really yeah. am, and I think it's been it's good storytelling. This is when this is AEW at their best. This is what I love. What AEW do when it comes to storylines and building up, um, you know, uh, championships and and pay per views and, and and potential main events. This is this is when AEW know what they're doing. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go best storyline at the moment. I'm actually going to go with BCC versus the Elite. I'm I'm invested in that. I think it's great. Now, 
best moment i'm going to rapidly move on because yeah. we're running out of time pretty quick best moment i'm going to go to last night's monday night raw um and i'm going to go for our brand new smackdown women's champion rhea ripley and solo sokoa yeah the stare down yeah it's the same as when they got to when they switched over and, and then yeah, yeah. I, I loved it I thought that was comedy genius. And considering Rhea has been trolled this week by fans on Twitter, uh, our thoughts go out to Rhea for, for the loss of her her nan uh, last yeah. week. Um, I mean, fair play to her. She is proving how much of a future main eventer and future Hall of Famer she really is. She's a tremendous worker. And oh. uh, that was, that made, for me, that made that segment. Forget Finn Balor, forget Dom, Damian Priest, forget Dom. It was Rhea Ripley and Solo Sokoa with that little throwaway line by Paul Heyman. Yeah, that made that entire uh, segment for me. Absolutely, okay. um, it, it, it was. Uh, but regarding the um, BBC and the Elite, it, it's got my interest. But it's right at the start. It's when the feud really starts building, things really heat up. That's when it's going to really grab my interest. Well, Wednesday night on Dynamite, Kenny Omega is going to be here and he's calling out John Moxley on Dynamite. So that is going to be an intriguing one. All right. So now this, is, this one is really difficult. Okay. Mm-hmm. The last one we've got on top picks is Best Company. And this is Best Company from either, you know, of the week, if anything you've seen. And I'm really torn because. For the first time in a long time, WWE have put on three relatively good programs with good good elements to the shows. And talking about Cody Brock on Raw, you know, talking about uh, the the Bloodline and uh, Team Tag Team Six Man for Backlash, the promo last night. Looking at SmackDown last week with the return of Shinsuke Nakamura. Looking at Dynamite with everything that we've talked about. Even Rampage got its highest ratings uh, in in recent memory. Yeah. So to pick the best company is really difficult. For me, with a hair's breadth this week, making it two weeks on the trot, it's all elite. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I just think they just had that little extra something. I think it probably helped with Rampage in the Battle of the Belts um, as well. Um, I, I, I think AEW do steal it this week. Um, I think that's second on the trot for me as well. Um uh, I had to go back and watch that Pennies from Heaven segment again from last week. <laughs> last it was the, the other uh, uh, from MJF as well. But yeah, for me, AEW, um, that that gets it for me again this week. Uh, I do want to make a little mention as well. Something that uh, wrestling fans will remember as Nia Jax. Something weird, because I'm about positivity and I want to bring positivity. She recently t- she's tweeted this, uh, this past couple of days how um, Charlotte Flair has, um, since her wedding... Has uh, since Charlotte's uh, wedding has uh, been helping Nia Jax um, improving her mm. with weight loss and getting into better shape uh, since October last year. She's happy to announce she's dropped down to forty. She's dropped forty-eight pounds, wow. uh, and she said that Charlotte has been absolutely like basically a godsend. She keeps sending her uh, eating plans as well as workout routines, which she's been sticking with. And she posted a picture of her from the wedding and a photo of her from just days ago. And she looks fantastic. So props to Charlotte Flair for being such a good egg with that. And fantastic to, to Nia Jax for uh, keeping keeping up with that, showing that, you know, Absolutely. you really can do it. And yeah. hopefully a lot of them trolls will back off. Um 
because uh, she deserves better than that. And Charlotte, if you're listening, uh, we're on Wrestling TSC. Please drop me a DM. uh, Slide into my DMs. Uh, I would be very interested in taking part in that weight loss challenge with you. Uh, If you can help now, Jax, if you could help me, that would be great. Um, Please. say no either. (laughs) Please. Uh, It might be a little bit better than uh, unrelenting than DDP yoga. Oh, Uh, my God. No, it's painful when I've done that before. Uh, Right. (laughs) That's it for this week of TSC. Don't forget, if you want to go to WrestleMania, you can do via Wrestle Tours. Uh, You fly out on the 3rd. You come back on the 9th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can get tickets for both nights of WrestleMania. 100 level or better six night stay at the five star logan philadelphia curio collection by hilton get tickets for both raw and smackdown 100 level or better tickets for progress meet and greet opportunities with many well-known wrestling stars special merchandise for the trip trans uh, transit transit i can't speak it's getting late transit from the transit from the airport to the hotel and transit from hotel to the lincoln financial field and return and if you want to be at WrestleMania, then all you need to do is email tours at progresswrestling.com. Say that you heard it on the squared circle. They'll be in contact with you and you can go yeah. to WrestleMania. The it's as little as 200 pounds and you don't have to, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, I just wait to book it through WWE. But then you wait until November and then it's a massive scramble. Take all the stress off. Book it with Wrestle Tours. They deal with that. You sort your flights out, but they deal with everything else for the trip. Just from a deposit from as little as 200 pounds. Uh, payment plans available as well. Book it up, and that you'll have a great time. They they were having, they were partying with Rob Van Dam to to name a few people at uh, uh, Hollywood uh, the other weekend. Um, just just do it. That also, I want to give a shout out to WrestleMerch Central, the latest wrestling merchandise by the superstars for the superstars for you at WrestleMerchCentral.com. Head over there now. You can get stuff from Nick Aldis, uh, from just one of many superstars, including the legacy of the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. So WrestleMerchCentral.com. You can click the link on the website at SquaredCirclePodcast.com. Uh, that is it for us for the live show this week. Uh, Stefan, are you back with Extra? I will be back. I do apologise. I was feeling unwell Sunday, uh, so my apologies. Um, but I will be back with extra on Sunday. Uh, we will watch out for the the time. I will be live. Uh, so if you want to get involved, get involved and uh, be a part of the show. So yeah, I'll be back with extra on Sunday. And that's it. We'll be back this time next Tuesday. Well, not this time next Tuesday, because that's the end of the show. We'll be back at 7.30 next Tuesday for more of the Squared Circle Live, including Rewind, including Storytime with TSC. Uh, Please don't sue me, Adam Cole, for stealing your gimmick. Uh, With Talking Point and much, much more. And a new game Oh God! What pay-per-view am I? When am I? When When am am I? I? When am I? I? Uh, I need to speak to Dan Barnstall, the master of TWS games, uh, to come up with some new ones for the pair of us. But that's it. We'll be back next week. For Stefan and for myself, thank you for joining us. Thank you for getting over 500 on YouTube. We genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. Thanks for getting us up the podcast rankings. We will see you next week. Until then, see you at the matches. Take care.